Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Right, delighted to welcome Iman Amari to Headliner Radio. Yeah, Iman, how are you? And how's LA? That's where you are, right? Yes, I am in LA. And yes, I'm fine. I'm great. And yeah, man, everything's wonderful. <laughs> and are you born and raised? Are you from Compton originally? Is that right? Yes, born and raised in um in LA. Uh started off in Compton, but you know, most people that live in Los Angeles, they know that we live all over. So I've lived all over Los Angeles County. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so where you're from, that's huge in the you know, legendary in hip hop history. Is that do you feel like is that a big part of you in terms of your the lineage of hip hop and your interest in hip hop personally? Would you say? Absolutely. Um you know, like as far as like G Funk and just all of the different things, gangster rap and all of those things that came from Los Angeles, um, it it kind of is like I would have to be affected by it because I was here living it. You know what I'm saying? I was born in 90. I'm 31 now. So I, I grew up with that whole, you know, era of, of music at the time, 90s gangster rap and all of that. So, yeah, man, it's it's a part of me no matter how you uh, fold the piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so did you grow up with that music around you was that kind of embedded into your subconscious kind of thing would you say yes absolutely um from you know family members playing it uh to being in the studio because i was in the studio really young i would hear that music in there even meeting some of these artists like warren g uh snoop dogs goldie Lokes, battle cats all these types of people like um it was always around me yeah, I think I also read, apart from hip-hop, did you, your parents would play the kind of music that would typically get sampled in this kind of music anyway, is that right? Was that a big part yes. of it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my dad, um, he was really into like jazz fusion. So, you know, he's playing like Jeff Lorber and Chick Corea and Herbie Hancock, um, the Headhunters and all those things. So like I had kind of both sides, you know, um, I was getting... Mm. I was getting like the 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 youthful hip hop, if you will, from like my cousins and people that were younger. My father was a bit older, so he was into that type of stuff because when he was younger, jazz fusion was, you know, I guess uh, the more revolutionary music, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. How do you feel like the link with jazz and hip hop is these days? Because it's obviously the sort of 90s hip hop that you alluded to. You know, you couldn't physically separate jazz and hip-hop at all, really, could you? But um, it's still there, isn't it? But it's just not quite as a bit more subtle, I guess, would you say? Yeah, it's a lot more subtle. Um, right now, we're definitely in a space to where I feel like people don't make the direct correlation to hip-hop and jazz. Um, some people are still aware, but I absolutely feel like there is a missing piece as far as, like, the connection with the younger generation to people who are probably more fond of uh, jazz. Um, so, yeah, like I think that, um, you know, there's some work that we have to do as musicians and hip hoppers to bring that back together because jazz is definitely the umbrella over hip hop. No, 100 um, percent. So, yeah, like we've mentioned you the sort of music you had around you as a youngster. But, um, yeah, in terms of introducing you properly, how did you start taking music more seriously when you were younger? What were the, like, the big things, particularly with the production side? as well how did you become uh, interested in that oh well actually when i was like let's say 11 to 14 or 15 i was uh signed to this guy named mike city so mike city is um known for a lot of super well-known songs like brandy full moon carl thomas i wish 
Dave Hollister, one woman man, like he wrote and produced all of those songs. So I had the vantage point of one being able to see these other, you know, super notable singers and, and rappers work with him, but also getting a chance to work with him and learn, learn how to uh, stack vocals and see how he's putting tracks together. So that was definitely the emphasis of like me becoming a producer on my own because I would see him doing all those things and I acquired the taste for it. Then after that, I started implementing on my own. That's, you, did you say you got signed when you were 11? That's insane. How, yeah. <laughs> <Was that laughs> yeah. Maybe that overwhelming, maybe? Uh, you said, was it overwhelming? Yeah, because it can be for uh, lot of adults, let alone 11-year-olds. Not necessarily, because I was into music already. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't really overwhelming because it was what I wanted to do. So I was happy to be there, you know, especially because they were older than me. So I just, you know, all it was, it was all a learning experience for me. And I felt like that at 11, you know? Yeah. And so what would you describe as the sort of big key moments around this time? You could call them kind of breakthrough moments in your career. I know you've worked with, you know, the likes of Kendrick and um, yeah. What did you feel like were the big key moments around this time in terms of breakthroughs? Oh, as far as breakthroughs, as far as like me as a musician. Yeah. Going um, from that youngster to actually suddenly this is actually a career for you kind of thing. Hmm. I would say the breakthrough moment for me would be when I dropped my first project energy. And the reason why I feel like that was a breakthrough moment was because before that I had no interest in being like an artist. You know, I wanted to be in music, but I didn't necessarily know how, like, I didn't know, maybe I just wanted to be an engineer. You know, I didn't know. So once I made that project and it did so well, to me, that was just the signs of like, okay, let's do this always, forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. Sometimes it's the other way around. Like people are artists first and they kind of transition into the behind the scenes role of a producer. So you wanted to be more behind the scenes first, just a producer, yeah, well, you're saying, and then you suddenly got that urge to have a go. At well, yeah, see, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to be you know, like I, like I said, just the guy making sure that the music sounds great. So if, if that was being the producer, if that was a songwriter, whatever that entailed, I wanted to be all encompassing of all those things or skills. Um, but like I said, once I put out my project and it was received well and, you know, people got to hear my voice and it was all my own production and people liked it. I was like, oh, yeah, let me let me now like go full force with the artistry and production, but together. So people know it's from me. So, you know, I want it to be like a Pharrell or a Timberland where these are producers who uh, started off behind the scenes, but these are like now household names that you know about and they produce mainly, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. It sounds like it, they're like really connected for you. Some people treat it as like different hats they wear, but it sounds like production and the music you release are completely connected it sounds like from what you're saying yes yes um i'm a firm believer and i feel like most artists you know if you're a singer or a rapper you should definitely dive into learning how to mix your own music you should dive into learning how to produce your own tracks because it just gives you a lot more maneuverability when it comes to whatever you're hearing creatively and not having to wait on getting it to your engineer or getting it to your producer you could just do it right then and there Mm. I have to ask about Kendrick because that's Kendrick Lamar, Lamar. Sorry, is a name on like so many people's lips. Right yeah. now. <laughs> what, what stage of um, your career and his career did you guys 
get to work together and how was that experience? Um, it was great. So um, I would like that. Let me let me not lie. I'm trying to think of the exact time. <laughs> cool. um, uh, 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 uh. So the first time I met him, I don't I can't tell you the exact year. Let's say it's around like uh, 2012. Right. So the first time I met him, um, it was over the phone. <laughs> and he told me that he liked my stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, he let me know that, you know, he had been listening to my album Energy. And I was like, thank you, man. So that was just the first like introduction to him and him letting me know that he was actually interested in some of my music. And then everything else was kind of like we were working together, but I wasn't necessarily there with him. So, for example, uh, then after that, I believe it was the Mac Miller song. Right. So I was uh, very good friends with Mac Miller. And uh, mm -hmm. there's a song that we have called Fight the Feeling that Mac and I did together in Los Angeles. Later on, when he was, you know, finalizing the project, he ended up throwing Kendrick Lamar on there, which I thought was monumental because this would be the first time that Mac Miller ever did a song with, uh, with Kendrick Lamar and might be the only, you know. So that was the second time. Then after that, I get a call from his people again and they're like, yo, Kendrick wants you to come up to the studio. So I go up to the studio, I link with them and, you know, we're sitting there talking about, you know, um, the different types of beats he's looking for. He's explaining to me like he has like different hats that he puts on as an artist. He's like, I got like my singing thing and I got like my rapping thing. So like, you know, give me beats that I can kind of flow both ways on. So we did that. Cool. Then after that, I get another call and then they're like. Kendrick wants to walk out at the Grammys to one of your uh, loops. So I was like, wow, that's major. And so he ends up walking out uh, to this one beat I have called Omari's Mood, where I uh, I sampled, um, what is it called? I think it's called My Ship. Yeah, My Ship mm -hmm. by, uh, by Roy Hargrove. So yeah, like those were... Like I said, it wasn't it wasn't like a super close knit relationship that I had with him, but it was like it just a just a mutual respect that we've always had for each other. And I really appreciate him, even if he's hearing this. I really appreciate him for always, you know, somehow putting me in the loop. <laughs> oh yeah. We can still say you've clubbed with Kendrick, which is more than a lot of people can say. Right. But, um another name that comes up a lot in your biographies I've seen is um Mary Ruff. And the reason I asked about him is I've been diving back into the kind of Twitter recently, personally, and I've traded a few tweets with him, especially about the whole music on the blockchain scene that's growing at the moment. Is that someone you've collaborated with, uh, Mo Ruff? Yeah, Maruf. Yeah, I've, I've collaborated with him in the past. Uh, yeah, we had a, a cult classic project. Um, it's called Euphoria. A lot of people really, 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 really like that project. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Sorry, I did the uh, UK pronunciation of his name. So No, it's okay. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's so cool. We talked about Compton and the, the gangster rap scene that grew out of that. But when I listen to your music, like the nature of the beats and the kind of track titles like Samadhi and you've got the Ascended Masters um, project, it's much more like metaphysical kind of vibes. Yeah, can you speak to that? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, so I I feel like, um, you know, with the, with the themes that I choose for my project name, so like Energy, Vibration, Samadhi, Ahi, um, I feel like that has more to do with just who I am spiritually as a person, you know, like uh, I wouldn't say that I'm I'm a guy who 
is necessarily into any one religion or anything like that or any type of you know spirituality denomination if you will but mm-hmm. i take a lot from a lot of different places so you know i try to remind people in my music um you know to tap into yourself and tap into spirituality and it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a religious thing it could be just like a self thing you know like making sure that you're one and centered with self but that still doesn't take away from the fact that you're going to hear uh nods of uh, nods in my music to the gangster rap to the jazz to the r&b because that's still a part of me but you know just the theme surrounding how i'm putting all these songs together it'll be surrounded around spirituality and vibrations and all that stuff so yeah. Yeah, because I guess if you release a song called, uh, a project called Samadhi in the 90s, when most people do in the kind of straight out of Compton vibes, people might find that a bit strange, a bit off the cuff kind of thing. But um, I guess if it does, at least from my perspective, that kind of is growing within hip hop, these kind of bigger topics, right? Do you feel like that's growing as well from your, from what you're saying as well? Yeah, well, I feel like, you know, because those like when did somebody come out? I think somebody came out like 2014 mm-hmm. around that time. You know, the collective consciousness of the world, everybody was more into wanting to find out about, you know, spirituality and things that might not lean as hard on Christianity or, you know, the uh, or Muslim faith or what have you. So I feel like the the time that I dropped that project was probably the best time that it could come out. I mean, it could come out now too, but during that time, I feel like it was proper. Absolutely. Because people were already searching for that type of information. So, you know, I might've been a gateway for a lot of people (laughs) with that project. Yeah. Yeah. Has this been part of your life for a long time or more in the last kind of decade or two? Uh, I would say in the last decade, because, you know, I'm not super old. I'm only 31. So (laughs) (laughs) that that would make more sense to me. Yeah. 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 Um, And and then more uh, practical track titles like Get a Job was a song you put out recently. I think that's a very relatable title for a lot of people in your position or just musicians in general. I think they hear that a lot. Can you just speak to, to that title as well? It's obviously very funny. (laughs) <laughs> well, it, that title doesn't really have like a, a long drawn out explanation. No. Buddy in his verse says the first line that he says in this hook that he created that's chopped and screwed. He says, get a job. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, I just when I said it to myself, I was like, that's the title, you know, and sometimes it's like that with songs. Like sometimes it's not really like a, a super long drawn out thought process sometimes it's just as simple as what you said in the song so i felt like it was fitting but of course the fans have heard the song and you know heard the the words that were saying in the song which to me i feel like the song is more of a more of a stream of consciousness if you will opposed to like it being about one thing but yeah i mean you know people people <laughs> still <laughs> off of the title and how the song is people are like yeah man i love that song like that made it inspired me to want to get a job. <laughs> I'm like, that's not necessarily yeah. what we're talking about, but okay. <laughs> whatever yeah, works, yeah. whatever works. Of course, of course. So yeah, mm-hmm. when you're when you're dropping a, a solo track, how do you as someone who's so much a producer as well, how do you approach that? Obviously, you love to get a good feature on your tracks, but um, yeah, do you have like a I mean it's it's dumb to say there's one approach for all your tracks, obviously it's gonna be different. Mm-hmm. every time right but um yeah how do you tend to approach that side of your work with the solo 
tracks you're dropping, yeah. Um, I tend to try to be as free as possible, you know, because I also get contracted to to produce for a lot of other artists all the time. And I, I tend to ask them what they're looking for so I can, you know, hit the nail on the head and make something that they actually want. But with myself, uh, you know, I just feel like I leave it very open because I'm I am the creative well, <laughs> if you will. So mm-hmm. I try to leave it open to whatever sound. So, you know, that's why you'll hear a song from me with 808s. And then the next song will be totally different. It might be more uh, connected to a song from like Maxwell or D'Angelo opposed to like a Metro booming type of sound. Right. So, yeah, I leave mm-hmm. it open for myself because I never want to be pigeonholed to one genre. You know, I'm a musician first. I do it all. So if I whatever music that we're playing or that I'm hearing, I can imitate it. So even if it was polka, like if that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, with these like spirituality themes, we've talked about like, the deeper questions in life. Do you like consciously try to bring that out? We talked about the track titles. Do you try and consciously bring that out in the actual music itself, the beats and so forth? Or does it just, Absolutely. just completely natural for you, would you say? Yeah, I will feel I, I definitely feel like it's a natural thing, but it is intentional as well. You know, um, uh, I have a song called Heaven on my album called Ahi. Ahi is a is an Egyptian an, an Egyptology deity. So he mm-hmm. uh, is the protector of beer and music. I thought that him being the protector of beer was kind of funny, but the music part was the main thing, right? Yeah. So my album is called Ahi. It's called The Protector of Music. I have a song on there called Heaven that features me, uh, Chris Clark, Jean Grey, um, Amira Dira, and uh, Musina. And we're directly talking about spirituality and being one with self and and looking within. And yeah, like it, it's it's more of a direct theme on that one opposed to like a song like get a job where i told you it's more of a stream of consciousness yeah yeah yeah, yeah incredible um right Amal, i know you're a big user of waves plugins um yeah could we'd love to talk about that like how did that start if you can remember when you started first started using them um so my uncle joseph Leinberg, he uh he has a studio on eagle rock that a lot of people go to is called Ironworks. And um, I started off on, uh, as far as like when I was when I was starting to mix my own stuff, I started off with just stock Logic stuff because I was using Logic a lot at the time. And, you know, he just would kind of come in there and tease me. He'd be like, how come you're not using this and the H comp and the, and the C1 and all these different things? And at the time I was like, what's the difference? And he would show me his mixes and his stuff would just sound a lot bigger and a lot better. So then I just would always go to his studio and I would only use his computer because at the time he had ways and I didn't. <laughs> so yeah. I got a lot of my bars by working um, on his machine. And yeah, yeah man. So from there, I kind of never stopped. Waves is definitely the, the gold standard for anybody that's producing out here, really. Yeah. So going from just pure logic as it comes to waves did you notice like a huge difference when you started integrating waves into your workflow yes i would say back then absolutely more more off the basis that i didn't really know what i was doing yet Mm -hmm. so i was 
playing the preset game, if you will. I was just using a lot of presets, you know? And uh, yeah, like I, off, off top, I just heard like a vast difference in, you know, the sound quality that I was getting from those VSTs. Uh, but now that I have a little more knowledge, I still hear the difference, but I feel like with stock logic stuff, you could get to a similar sound, but it just won't be the same. But it, it, it yeah, it'll be more than a negligible difference. But yeah, I still would lean towards the the wave stuff. It just it's just more of a professional sound. But you can get close with the logic stuff. But that that comes with knowledge, though. You have to know how to use compressors and and, and ratios and the release and what everything means. Like you have to know that in order to use the uh, the stock logic stuff and it be comparable to what waves can do off rip. Yeah. I just love these stories of the journeys of producers. Um, I've like interviewed the guy who makes grind beats in the UK. He first started making beats using his PlayStation, and I just love these kind of stories. And you were just, um, you know, doing what you could just with what you had, which at the time was Logic, right? So it sounds like this. Was well, yeah, but well, see, journey. and not to cut you off, not to cut you off. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. See what that guy said about PlayStation. I have that same story. Now we're talking about just mixing, but we're talking about like what what is the first thing that I was actually using to create music? It was this thing called MTV Music Maker, which I'm almost certain that's exactly what he was using mm-hmm. on the PlayStation One. <laughs> I think he might have actually said that. Yeah, possibly. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So it's the same for you. Yep. Yep, that's the oh first thing God. I was making beats on. Yeah. Literally clicking in chord progressions into the piano roll with the controller. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Have they ever seen the light of day, these beats, or is that all? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't even know how to get those off <laughs> of the memory card. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, um, so that, to answer the question, no. <laughs> no, incredible. But yeah, what I was guessing at is it sounds like Waves has really helped shape you as a producer. Would you Absolutely. say making that leap from the more bare bones production to... Yeah, getting to where you are today. Yeah, like quality, tamed sounds opposed to like, you know, rough, uh, just kind of making it loud just so it sounds good type of method, (laughs) the poor man mixes. Yeah, (laughs) definitely made a difference. Yeah, for sure. So there are ways plugins you would call your like go-tos, the ones you tend to use the most in each project, would you say? Um, The ones that I go to the most, I would say that I use the h delay religiously i use the uh the the pui tech which one is that that i use uh i'm looking at it right now yeah the the pui tech uh, eqp 1a i use that one a lot because i like to use it for uh the kick like i say i i'm literally looking at what i said in that yeah, waves yeah. uh that waves <laughs> quote but yeah. yeah i mean that like it, it i use that kick 101 preset and then kind of tweak it from there so yeah i just i don't know like i've just kind of uh, I've, I've been a creature of habit with that and it works really well in my mixes. So yeah, I use that all the time. Uh, what else do I use? Uh, I use the H comp a lot. I use the SSL comp a lot. Uh, yeah, probably those things I use religiously. <laughs> well, so I do like these waves themed interviews like once a month. I haven't heard H comp actually come up as often. So um, could you just talk us through how you use that one I'd love to just learn learn from you really because I haven't heard so much about HLA, yeah, very common one that comes up. H comp, I've not heard so much about. Oh, so yeah, that there uh, H comp is in the same series. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the H comp, 
um, like I said, it's just a, it's a decent sounding compressor, you know? So that was one that I used to basically learn how to compress because, you know, like for before then, like I, I didn't really know to look at the VU meter and, you know, all of that. Like I did, I had no, I had no uh, real information on how to understand gain reduction and anything like that. So when I was using the H comp, it kind of put things into perspective. And also again, just like I would implore anybody who's starting, uh, it had nice presets, you know? Mm-hmm. So a lot of, a lot of engineers are always like, you know, don't use the presets, but if you're starting off, why not? Cause that's the only way you'll be able to hear what this thing does if you don't know what you're doing. So like I said, um, HComp was one that I used to really teach me about compressing. No, amazing. Um, would you be able to give us like a sort of example of recent projects and how you've used Waves plugins within that project tool? Yeah. Can you give me one second to pull up a yeah, session yeah, so I can course. look at it? Do whatever you need to do, yeah. Okay, yeah, one second. Pull up a session. Are you an Ableton guy? Yes, I am an Ableton guy. Used to be a Logic guy. I've been an Ableton guy for at least eight years now. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Does it like suit oh, your workflow better, would you say? Uh, Yeah, I like the workflow. I like the ability to alter things. Uh, For example, like the, the ability to manipulate waves inside of... um. And I mean like actual waves, not waves the company, but mm-hmm. the ability to manipulate waves inside of Ableton is um, with the warping feature is uh, really revolutionary next level. Like there's nothing else that I see that's really even comparable. Maybe Serato, uh, Serato Studio might have some things in there that's kind of that's kind of close, you mm-hmm. know, but other than that, like uh, the way that you can transpose in in waves and um it still keep the fidelity of the sound and it not get like super tarnished i love it i love it yeah no amazing uh okay so i pulled up a session for a song that i just dropped with uh my bro his name is cavalier it's a song that we have called pairs so Mm. i didn't i actually didn't produce this but i mixed it from top to bottom so incredible uh, so like right here, I see that I have a Pui taking the F6 on here. Here, let me unfreeze it so I can look at it. So with the F6, I see that I rolled it off to 50 hertz. And then I have a, uh, yeah, I have, I have it pushed up literally just at 100 hertz, like 5 dB, just to get more punch on that kick. And uh, and then I also have that Pui Tech where I see that I started off with the kick one on one, but then I adjust it just to make sure it's hitting right at negative three dB, mm. um, and not you know not hitting in the red and clipping, and it sounds great. Not too much that I did on there, because <laughs> yeah, that's another thing I've I've been learning as an engineer that sometimes a bunch of you know EQing and compressing and all of these different plugins is not needed. Sometimes it's better with less. Yeah, no, incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I see I got this SSL comp on the uh, on the claps and uh, I, I'm doing uh, something that I've learned. <laughs> this one producer I know named uh, Punch, I mean, not Punch, this one producer I know named Focus, shout out to Focus. He taught me about uh, how you're supposed to set it up. Right. So 
Of course, you have your threshold wherever it needs to be for the clap. But the attack and the release, what did he call it? I think he called it like snake eyes or crazy eyes where you're supposed to put the attack and release like literally all the way in. So the attack is all the way to 30 on the SSL and uh, and the release is all the way to negative one. So it's just like literally Mm. turning the knobs inwards. And man, it makes the clap sound amazing and then have the ratio at two. Right. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, use the makeup to however you feel like it's supposed to sound, however, however loud you want that clap to be. So, yeah, that's what I'm using on that. Let me know. I'll take you through the whole session. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could go for hours here, couldn't we? Um, oh, right, okay. So we, we um, like with the H comp, we were saying, um, mm-hmm. are there any other ways, plugins you think like a bit more underrated, like ones you love using, but you don't see other people using too much, if that makes sense? Uh, let me think, let me go through some of these and I'll tell you right now. I mean, I can tell you that a lot of people don't use the H comp for vocals. Sounds mm-hmm. really nice with vocals. They got a preset on there called uh type vocals. You know, if you, uh, if you want to just like throw something on there and, uh, and you want it to sound better than just the flat vocals that you just recorded, good place mm-hmm. to start from. Um, what else? Let me see. The meta flanger, I use that a lot. Yeah. So the the meta flanger, I use a lot to kind of just give the vocals a little bit more life. You know what I'm saying? So they don't sound as flat. The meta flanger, I'll kind of just mix it in there with the with the raw vocal. So I'll have the raw vocal on its own track, and then um, then I'll 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 send in a little bit of the meta flanger with the vocal coming through. And um, like I said, it just kind of gives the vocal a shimmer, if you will. Almost like if you put a chorus over the vocal, right? It's kind of a similar, a similar feeling to it. But yeah, I just love the way that it sounds because when I get those in mixes, it just feels like the the vocals have life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, Iman, thanks so much. So um, yeah, how's the rest of this year looking? What what are you up to in the coming months? Um, I'm working on a new album right now, so I have two singles out. Well, the other single actually comes out in a couple of days, but I have one single. I'll get a job, as you know, already. And then I have another single coming out on the 20th. And that one is called All They Want to Do. Um, that's produced by this young producer named Kayla Maestro, who's amazing. Um, um, and the album that is coming out on is called The Electric EP. And the reason why I'm making this project is because I want it to rival the energy project that i made that people like literally are like this is still the best project that you made and i'm like okay i appreciate that but i made that when i was 18 and i'm 31 now i'm sure i have a lot more uh perspective (laughs) on life you still got got the energy right (laughs) right 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 so i'm making um the electric ep kind of like to to kind of sun that album if you will amazing and then say if someone was like totally new to you as both a producer and an artist, is there like a project or a song or a production credit that you would point them towards that's like the best intro to you and what you do, would you say? <laughs> yeah, energy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would point them towards energy. I will point them to the Mac Miller song with Kendrick Lamar called Fight the Feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will point them to a song that I have with Ty Dolla Sign called Hold Up. And I will point them to my band camp. Yeah. 
because my band camp is like that's like basically an anthology of all my underground hip hop beats and flips and DJ mixes and, you know, just like a whole nother side to me that people don't get as far as like my official uh, drops that come out on the DSPs. Digital streaming platforms for people who are like, what is DSPs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Shout out yeah. to Camp for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, thanks so much, Iman. Um, yeah. How's what are you up to today? How's your day looking? Uh, today, I will be mixing a bunch of songs like a chicken with his head cut off. And <laughs> after that, I'm going to go skating. <laughs> oh, cool. Just like yeah, downtown yeah. LA or? Uh, no, no. So um, I'm in Long Beach right now. So mm-hmm. when I go skating, there's a there's a couple of rinks out this way. So, yeah, I'm about to just go to, go skating, man. I got some new skates. So I just want to try them out. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, if you're ever in London, I think South Bank's the place to go skating if you need a good skating spot. But um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I've been to London a couple of times. So as soon as I, as soon as I get back over there. Once the world calms down with all this COVID madness, mm-hmm. <laughs> then I will be there. Yeah, that's like the most historic, famous skate place in uh, London. It, people try to shut it down all the time and they haven't managed to so far. So That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Right, mate. Thank you so much for talking to us. Um, it's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, man. Yeah. You have a good rest of your night. Yeah, you too. Speak to you soon, hopefully. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.